In Syria, people are finding hope in Christ in the middle of a pandemic and war. Brother John talks about how quickly many people are responding to the gospel. People are ready, ready to be harvested. And we just need to be brave and share the gospel and not to be afraid of speaking our faith to them, speaking hope into their life. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and uh, we are connected today with Brother John. Brother John is the leader of Ananias House. He has been working in Syria and across the Middle East, working to spread the gospel, working to disciple believers. He's also a regular speaker at Voice of the Martyrs Advanced Conferences. You know, the first question I ask right now to basically anyone I talk to from another country is, uh, what what does the pandemic mean? What does coronavirus mean for life in your country? So, so what is coronavirus meaning not just for everyone in Syria, although that obviously I'm interested to hear, but but especially for the church. How is it affecting the church in Syria? Uh, well, Todd, it's been really unique to interesting uh, to see how the Middle Eastern world in, in Syria and all the other Arabic-speaking nations responded to the coronavirus from a cultural perspective was a, different than here. It's a culture of an honor and shame. So if uh, somebody uh, who have the coronavirus, they tend to hide it. They're not to speak of it publicly because for one purpose, they don't want to be the reason to bringing that shame to the community or that weak link into the community. So they don't tend to get tested. They just tend to hide it. And so that's therefore there is the accuracy of the number is not really clear. And it's such an, again, if you look into the honor and shame culture, you would understand that more of a perspective as a how people treat the virus. And so instead of being the weak link, they don't want to be looked at that. So, But from the church perspective, it's really interesting to see what God has used that time where the church went to the house church and people begin to worship from home and they use social media, uh, WhatsApp, Facebook, and the message has gone to way more. If you have a church about 100 people and you're posting your message online and using social media, uh, now you have a thousand, over a thousand people listening to it. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the honor-shame culture and the fact that to be sick with the coronavirus brings shame and you don't want that and we actually had a conversation with Audrey Frank who wrote a book called Covered Glory about the honor shame culture so that's sort of the negative side of that but I think there is a like you say there's there's a positive side of that with as it relates to the gospel because a lot of these people they would never go physically to a church because that would bring shame on them that would bring shame on their family but you know in the privacy of their own home watching a service on social media watching a service online they don't have to deal with that shame issue because they're cut off from everyone else so you know there's the negative side from the health perspective 
but it seems like from the spiritual side, there's a positive side of that, that people are, are being exposed to the gospel that, like you say, would would not have gone to a church building, would not have been exposed before the coronavirus came. And that's exactly right. And even Todd, be believers within their own building, because they live in an apartment and it's packed. And so uh, they're able to share and be more active. And the house has gone to the house church and the worship become inside their house. And uh, it, it literally expanded the house church and brought value and a big and depth to the body of Christ. There are more chances for them to share with their neighbor right now. There are the fact that they're going to their neighbor and they're praying with their neighbors and the neighbor watching their faith. They're watching how come you are having this sense of joy. Tell me more about it. Why are you not afraid? Why are you not afraid for your life, for your kids? And they get to share why they're not afraid. And they're asking them, tell me more about your faith. And that's opened doors for people to share within their own community about the Lord instead of going to a church building. And obviously there is a unique aspect of being part of a church building and being discipled, being equipped, and that will be a next step. But again, it's opened the door for people who are afraid of going to a church because of an honor and shame. Uh, it's amazing how, you know, so many times we hear about God using things that, that maybe we didn't want or, or wouldn't have wished for. And, and I think, you know, I've heard you speak at our Voice of the Martyrs Advanced Conferences and, and talk about how you and the believers in Syria prayed for revival. And you mm -hmm. prayed and you prayed. And, and what happened was you had a civil war. Mm -hmm. And out of that civil war, there came this revival that you had prayed for. Now, nobody was praying for civil war. Nobody would have wanted that. And I think maybe there's some lessons there as, as we deal with coronavirus, as we deal with some of the things that are happening in the world right now. Boy, we never would have prayed for coronavirus. But if the Lord uses it to spark a revival, we would all say, wow, praise the Lord for that. And so, again, I think there's a lesson that we learn from brothers and sisters in hostile and restricted nations that, that during a time like this in America, we can sort of take that lesson more to heart. Absolutely. And uh, I definitely see circumstances that force upon us caused by natural cause or war or human action or diseases. God always turned those circumstances and turned it to the good of the kingdom of God. We learned that through history, through the church experience and how they dealt with it. And the fact that the way we react to these circumstances as a Christian it's attract the eyes of the unbeliever, and God uses this time to bring hope to the lost world. There is a uniqueness where we can take advantage of such opportunity. When people are hopeless, we have hope of Christ in us. I just kind of talking about honor and shame, Todd, just remind me with one of the story uh, of uh, the situation of this family among certain people group and this sect in Islam. But this sect is very, very unique in its way. And this husband and wife, young couple in upper 20, in their 20s, they had a child and he had a health defect. He has a, some health issue. So they did an operation on him and they took him all over the world. They took him even to Europe to do an operation, but it was not successful. They bought the best doctors. They went to debts and trying to help their son. But uh, what happened is Todd, she heard about this believers community in that city. She tried to commit suicide a few times. Uh, the whole city 
knows about their stories. And she was not successful committing suicide. They rescue her. And she was depressed, severely depressed. But when she heard about this believer and somebody told her to go and she went and she worshiped and God transformed her life. And she came to know Christ and she this joy came to her life. But here is the here is the story. Her husband who saw this joy and he was surprised. So she was telling him to come and he said, Don't ever go again. This is such a shameful thing. Don't don't ever embarrass us in our society. So he said, if you go again to that community and to that small church and worship with them, I will divorce you. And so every once in a while he see her, but there's this sense of joy in her and he he realized this is because she's going <laughs> and she defined him as a husband and so she kept begging him just once come once and he's worried about honor and shame because the community completely will isolate them it brings shameful things and which so- is so interesting because it's it's more shameful in that community for her to go to a christian church than it is for her to try to kill herself uh, that that's the sort of mind-boggling to us isn't it something what brings shame is defined by other but not there is no rules to it it's all to do with religion and she's young and they're beautiful a couple but their life is destroyed completely destroyed and he when he saw her coming back and having this joy he would choose to stay depressed and their marriage destroyed then her going to the church but he agreed to go once just once in order to convince her to leave the church and he went to church and he heard the gospel message and it was a complete transformation for his life these couples became the most joyful couple in that city todd and they begin to share the gospel and this movement among those people group the gospel wants from a birth defect complete destruction from that birth defect the lord brought these couple to the lord but not this couple the city to the lord and a movement broke loose among that those people group everybody saw what god is doing among them and now the church is massive and is growing and one of the largest growing christianity among those people group in the last two years and this has just been incredible. God is moving. God is at work. And God is is doing things out of brokenness and things out of the most difficult humiliation, humiliated situation and, and the most painful situation where the world cannot bring restoration to it. Only through the Christ and the gospel, he can bring restoration. And that's what we're seeing. And we're seeing great things happening in that culture, in that country. Amen. And and there is a great lesson and a very timely lesson there for us here in the United States right now, for us around the world dealing with the pandemic. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother John. He is the leader of Ananias House, working in Syria and across the Middle East to spread the gospel, to disciple Christians, to bring make them strong in their faith. Uh, Brother John, talk a little bit about Ananias House. I love, first of all, I love the name uh, because I love the story of Ananias and Saul being sent to him. And, uh, you know, you remember at first Ananias argued with God. No, uh, Saul is a very bad person. I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, And God says, no, 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 I've chosen him. Talk a little bit about Ananias House and the ministry and the things that you're doing in Syria and across that region. 
absolutely Todd you know our heart is to empower the body of Christ and the church so they can be spiritually sustainable and also physically and we do we're focusing on training and equipping and also uh, resourcing the church according to the need the situation they're going through but one of the things you know we're working on training that's kind of one of the the Lord has equipped us with we do pastoral leadership training but we also focusing on women as well a new focus on women in the Muslim world we equip them but we have this with partnership with Dalla Theological Seminary five years program that every year focus on four topic discipleship trauma healing because women in that part of the world face a lot of historical hurt and pain and the way they're viewed is difficult in a, in a, in a more a harassed manner and more abused manner but we also focus on leadership and development equip them so they can to invest in the community and the society especially the widows they can be providing for themselves and, and how to work an excel sheet the leadership piece is to help them to lead and how can they have a skill of leadership and so these four categories they study every year and taught the purpose to empower the church we're looking in the church in the middle east the majority of the church member in the middle east over 60 to 70 percent are women and they're stepping into leadership and so we are helping the church uh, under the umbrella of the pastor and the leadership to empower their women leaders talk a little bit about the within that culture because as you say women often have suffered trauma they are often not treated with respect or dignity they are treated more as property so how how does the church sort of re-translate that and how do you translate leadership skills for women in a culture that says women can't be leaders or, or women are a piece of property right just look at marriage and I don't want to general uh, speak of general, but in the Middle East, majority and not ev- not everybody, but there is a high percentage of people view of marriage as an accomplishment rather than a relationship. And so the wife come in to be part of your uh, partner just in order to carry the male child. And if he does not carry a male child, she is the weak link. You know, she's not able to provide the male child, which is kind of the man who's going to carry the name and the legacy of the family, right? So that's her role. And so it's a very a unique, specific. And if she does not, then she could not do her job. She could not provide. And so therefore he can marry again. He can have another wife who can bring the male child. So her role is very limited just to take care of the house. And the society look at a woman in a very unhealthy way. And honestly, I would say that because of the more to do with the religion of Islam and the multi-marriages. So there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of history goes there. And and women, they need to find their place within the church. And the church wants to help them. But the problem is there is nothing that focus on women, to help women. And there are the women who are only, when they come to the Lord, they're finding hope. And they're stepping into serving and into giving their time and energy to the church. But nobody's helping those women to be equipped and to do their job and their volunteer work better and to help. To build the community so that's the focus of the growth program and the church they're really eager to help and that's why it's very important to help them and decide how do you disciple a woman to a woman uh, how do you overcome those problems those trauma healing this cultural impact the hurt and pain how to be healed from it and help other women to be healed 
We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother John. He's the leader of Ananias House. Uh, John, one of the other questions I have just about kind of general life in Syria, uh, we have heard that ISIS has been defeated. What does that mean in Syria as far as safety and security and how the country is? Uh, is ISIS truly gone or, or did they just sort of take off that hat and, and put on a different hat that also is about violence and is about attacking? ISIS as a Islamic a terrorist unit group that was militarized and well-formed, that concept has gone for sure as, a, as an army. And so, but the ideology of radicalization has always existed and there's always a huge field for it in that part of the world. We know that they do exist as mentality and the ideology exists. So the threat is still there not as uh, being under the umbrella of the rule of ISIS, but the, dealing with individuals who have that ideology. So it, it's hard. It's always going to be there. It's never going to leave. And Christian always will struggle with individuals who share that ideology of ISIS. So when persecution happens to Christians in Syria right now, what does that typically look like? Is that coming from some type of radical group? Is it coming from the government? Is it coming from their own family? Kind of give us a picture of what persecution looks like when it happens in Syria. Well, today, you know, you deal more an individual story, uh, Todd, uh, when it's come from more family and from more community persecution rather than ISIS or rather than uh, other source of the persecution because of the honor and shame and the culture of a Muslim coming to faith and that bring dishonor and shame so that therefore that community become against that person uh, so it's becoming more individual cases of persecution the more hardship to it it's uh, these people have nothing to lose uh, they already lost everything so there is no fear of uh, declaring their faith. You see more people declaring their faith publicly and not ashamed of declaring their faith publicly. And that's been really encouraging, but somehow encouraging to see uh, people uh, are, uh, there is not, they're not afraid of death. They've already been through that journey. And when they hold them to the Lord, they're holding to the Lord because of they see hope. The reality that taught everybody's faith in, facing hunger and they prefer to die than living the life they're living today so when they come to the lord there is nothing else to lose they have the lord and so they're not afraid of death anymore interesting again you know we talked earlier about what might have been intended for evil god's turning to good and it sounds like that's true even in the realm of persecution where people aren't afraid because they've suffered so much that suffering doesn't really scare them anymore that's right and that's been kind of uh, unique because it's not that we are doing such a great job. It's more people are ready, ready to be harvested. And we just need to be brave and share the gospel and not to be afraid of speaking our faith to them, speaking hope into their life. People receive phone call. It was just really unique because I was just hearing from this uh, mother who have her children in a school, and she's not afraid of the, what's happening with the virus. And her the other parents are calling her. Why you're not panicking? Why you're not afraid? Why you're and and she 
open the door for them to uh, to to share Christ and to give them this message of hope. Uh, Todd, another story, you know, where there is one story about another country working with one of our coordinator in that country. People were kind of cheering in that Muslim world for the heroes, you know, the the the, the, the nurses and the doctors, and they're going out and the chanting. And her husband went out and he played guitar and he start worshiping out of his balcony as people chanting and so everybody she said stopped and begin to listen to him and he start leading worship this beautiful song praising <laughs> jesus praising the lord out on his balcony and everybody's on the balcony and they stopped and they begin to listen to them worship he has a good voice and he's a singer and it just was such a beautiful opportunity for the christian to step forward with people doing their best to cheer and chant but the christian going out and cheering but they're cheering with a sense of joy and hope and worship and the world's tuning in to us i think that's our message the world is tuning in to what we have to say and they're listening today they're listening amen and i think that's true not just in syria i think that's true around the world people are are listening people are seeing our faithfulness they're seeing that we have joy in the midst of difficult times we're talking today on voice of the martyrs radio with brother john he is the leader of ananias house their website is ananiashouse.org you can find out more information about them brother john last question we always try to equip our listeners to pray and so i want you to help us know how to pray for syria right now for the country as a whole uh, and for our Christian brothers and sisters who are there uh, enduring the virus, enduring pressure and persecution, how do we pray for Syria? One of the things on my heart is just to pray for the health of the believers. I feel like because of what they have gone through and what they're facing today in with the economical sanction, with the economical pressure and the hardship to be able to eat, I feel not just for the Christian, but everybody, it's been impacting their health. I encourage you to pray for their health, and especially the Christian, the believer. We're seeing more health issues coming out of that part of the world. And just pray that God will sustain the believers as they struggle and they try to survive day to day. Uh, but also because it's important to pray for the believer health because when they're healthy, they're able to do more and to take the gospel uh, to furthermore uh, to different areas. We also, one of the things I want to rejoice with, I recently heard Todd, uh, one area, it's a Christian village that been taken by radical through the whole until recently about two weeks ago just got freed up and i was loving hearing the church bells ringing in that village and the rejoicing so they're gathering this week and they're doing worship in it the christian community and so pray as they gather and they worship that they restored their village but also they will be able to be a witness to those who are at the edge of that village who were taking over the village that will hear stories of people coming to christ who were the cause of the harm on that village, the Christian village. And the evangelical are gathering to do a big service there. So pray as they gather and worship for protection and safety, but also they'll be able to share the gospel with the neighbors who 
never heard the gospel before. I just want to you guys to pray for us for wisdom as we reach out to the people there and that God will continue using us, using Voice of the Martyr to be an encouragement, to be a blessing uh, in unity so we can help them as they take the gospel forward, but also carry their pain as well as they uh, and, and walk that journey with them. Amen. We will pray. We have listeners who are prayer warriors, and so we will be praying for the country of Syria. We'll be praying for the church there this week. Our guest on Voice of the Martyrs Radio has been Brother John. He is the leader of Ananias House. You can find them online at ananiashouse.org. We'll also give you a link at vomradio.net. If you are just joining us, We'll have the entire conversation at vomradio.net. You can listen again as well as on your favorite podcast app. Brother John, it's always fun when I get to talk to you. I I hope soon we'll be able to connect up again at another VOM Advanced Mm -hmm. Conference. But until then, uh, it's great to be able to connect with you this way and share what God's doing in Syria with our VOM Radio listeners. So thank you for being our guest and for taking the time this week. It's a joy. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I hope you will join us next week. We are going to talk about the day of the Christian martyr. We're going to talk about uh, the martyr that we'll be honoring this year on June 29th. And we'll have our president, Cole Richards. We'll also have a conversation with somebody who was uh, directly involved in the story of the martyr that we're going to honor. So you won't want to miss that conversation next week. Pray for Syria. We'll see you next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.